Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you're all doing well and a very happy summer season to everyone who's tuning in from the Northern Hemisphere. I'm so excited to announce that today's episode is sponsored by our very own expansive journal. Now, this is a prompted journal that I've been working on for many years now, and it was all inspired by my entire philosophy of whole human healing. And why this concept is so important to me is because I've always described the manifestation of disease in the body as a story that's waiting to be told. And this story is often an amalgamation of our personal experiences, our lifestyle choices, genetics, and the environment that we grow up in, in terms of what we are exposed to physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. So uncovering the root cause of something means looking at all of these various aspects that make us who we are and finding a common denominator that links together a particular symptom picture. And this investigation isn't just about addressing the physical symptoms that you may be experiencing. It's more so about asking what parts of the whole human have been impacted over time that has now resulted in this particular constellation of symptoms. And for those of you who have worked with me one-on-one, you're most likely familiar with the structure of my treatment plans, which always starts off with very specific nutraceuticals or if we're using prescriptions that are that we are implementing to help correct a biochemical imbalance in the body and then that's followed by dietary suggestions that are specific to that particular phase of treatment along with lifestyle recommendations that complement those therapies as well and it was in this lifestyle portion that i would often include specific rituals practices and journal prompts for some of my patients to help them through their healing journey as well And every time I wrote a journal prompt down for a patient, I would always tell myself I should create something that can be made accessible for everyone else as well. And after all these years, we now have expansive. And what I wanted this journal to embody is the art of slow and connected living, because I noticed that a lot of journals currently on the market are specifically catered for our fast paced world, but I didn't want this to be another journal that you picked up and mindlessly listed a bunch of things down for the day without noticing much change in your overall experience with life. I wanted to create an offering for people to connect deeper to themselves by contemplating the prompts that really made them dig deep and uncover who they are at their core. So some of the prompts in Expansive are playful and light and others are designed to make you really tap into your inner wisdom. And just like we've been uncovering various topics in this podcast to help support our individual healing journey, Expansive was created as another tool for those embarking on a journey of self-discovery and personal healing to awaken the highest version of themselves and through that begin to live a more meaningful and connected life. So all of the information and links for how to get yourself a copy of Expansive will be in the show notes. And for those of you living in Victoria who don't want to deal with the shipping aspect of it, just send me a direct message on social media or through my website, and I can always let you know where to pick up a physical copy as well. Now, in today's episode, we are going to uncover the matrix of anxiety, which seems to be something that is impacting more and more people and at higher degrees of severity than ever before. 
So what we will do in today's episode is review the diagnostic criteria for anxiety, then go over the most common physiological, emotional, and spiritual causes, and then wrap things up with a few beginning steps to help you better understand and manage anxiety if it is something that you are currently dealing with. Now, just as a reminder, all of the emotions we experience in life exist to be felt and often act as messengers to help guide us towards an area of our life that perhaps needs some attention. So experiencing episodes of anxiety and depression in life are completely normal. What isn't normal is feeling trapped by these emotional states and waking up daily with anxiety or having it impact various aspects of your life, including sleep, work, relationships, and your social well-being. Now, of the anxiety disorders, the most commonly diagnosed one is something referred to as generalized anxiety disorder or GAD. And to be given a diagnosis of GAD, you need to A, have experienced symptoms for most days over a six-month period, and B, have three or more of the following six symptoms in that period. So these symptoms include feeling restless, keyed up, or on edge, having difficulty concentrating or feeling like your mind is blank, being irritable, being easily fatigued, feeling tension in your muscles and experiencing sleep issues such as difficulty falling or staying asleep or restless, unsatisfying sleep. And in addition to these symptoms, people with GAD also often experience feeling a general sense of nervousness, being easily startled, experiencing headaches, muscle aches, or stomach aches, or other unexplained pains in their body having difficulty swallowing or feeling a lump in your throat, twitching or trembling, sweating a lot or experiencing hot flashes, feeling lightheaded or out of breath, feeling nauseated and having to use the bathroom a lot. Now, there are other classifications of anxiety disorders as well, which we won't cover in detail in today's episode, but those also include separation anxiety, social anxiety, panic disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, substance or medication-induced anxiety, and a couple of other classifications as well. Now, there is a questionnaire on my website that I often use in clinic to assess someone's level of anxiety when we first start working together. And then after implementing various uh, treatment protocols, we often return to this questionnaire and see how much they have improved over time. So it's a great clinical tool, which I will link for all of you in the show notes if you're interested in doing your own little mini assessment as well. So what's happening in the body with a given stressor that manifests as feeling anxious? So what happens is there's always a perceived threat. So this can be physical or emotional that's picked up by the hippocampus and the cingulate gyrus. And then that, so this is at the level of the brain that activates the amygdala, which is our primary fear response, which activates the HPA access and the autonomic nervous system. So this is that down bottom of the line kind of cortisol and epinephrine release that everyone's familiar with. So stress hormones, these stress hormones in particular interact with our brain and our body. And then that manifests as anxiety. So we, once the, once we reach that level of a physiological symptom, it shows up very differently for everyone, right? So you might experiencing, you might experience a racing heart, shortness of breath, sweaty palms, and inability to concentrate, or even an upset stomach. Now, this initial threat or stressor that kicks off this pathway, like I mentioned, can be either mental, emotional, 
or a physical stressor within the body. And the key here is the body doesn't know the difference between a physical or an emotional threat. Because regardless of what the trigger is, your body is still going to initiate that stress response. And what I mean by physical stressors within the body, we're going to cover some of the um, physical causes of anxiety next, and that'll hopefully clear it clear it up. And then we will move into some examples of mental emotional causes. So certain illicit drugs or medications can cause anxiety. And those include cocaine, um, amphetamine, marijuana, ephedrine, SSRIs, corticosteroids, anticholinergics, high dose caffeine, and beta adrenergic agonists. Certain cardiopulmonary diseases like mitral valve prolapse, cardiac arrhythmias, hyper or hypotension, so that's higher or low blood pressure, sleep apnea, and asthma can also manifest as anxiety. And endocrine conditions including hyperthyroidism, hypoparathyroidism, pheochromocytoma, hypoglycemia, menopause, and diabetes also have a, a symptom, share a symptom of anxiety. And then neurological conditions such as migraines, Parkinson's, and seizures as well um, can also show up as anxiety. And also another really important one that a lot of people might miss is eating disorders, in particular anorexia. So anxiety can be a symptom of any of these underlying conditions. So, And the most common conditions that I see in a clinical setting as underlying root causes of anxiety are either dysbiosis within the gut, toxin exposure, HPA access dysregulation, blood sugar dysregulation, and then various nutritional deficiencies. And once we correct any of these underlying causes, a patient's anxiety levels drop by 50% or more. And then we can begin to regulate their nervous system once that underlying physical stressor has been addressed or removed. And just very quickly, for those of you who are wondering about the gut anxiety connection, by now, most of you are aware of the bi-directional communication between the gut and the brain known as the gut-brain access. So the gut communicates with the brain and the brain communicates with the gut. So if you have an imbalanced state within the microbiota, so that's the, the flora, the bacterial flora that makes up the gut, which can look either like an overgrowth of harmful bacteria or inadequate levels of healthy bacteria, in both cases, you eventually end up with something known as intestinal permeability or more commonly as leaky gut, which allows toxins and food particles to leak into the bloodstream, which then causes neuroinflammation and begins to impact your neurotransmitter levels. As And as most of you are probably aware, I'm sure you've seen through various posts on social media or some blogs that you might be subscribed to, majority of our bodies. GABA, serotonin, and dopamine, so our key neurotransmitters, are actually produced in the gut. And further to this, all of our body's nutrients are absorbed in the gut as well. So dysbiosis, so that imbalanced microbiota state within the gut, causes both neurotransmitter imbalances and nutrient deficiencies as well, which can exasper exacerbate a condition such as anxiety. And something very important is that this neuroinflammation that I'm referring to, so this inflammation within the nervous system in the brain, is now being linked back to something known as lipopolysaccharide or LPS, which is an endotoxin made by gram-negative bacteria in the gut. And when you have a leaky gut, this LPS, that's an endotoxin, leaks into the circulation and causes inflammation in the brain. And majority of the studies coming out now are showing that having elevated levels of LPS in the bloodstream 
is the biggest risk factor for developing anxiety, depression, and long-term neurodegenerative conditions. So the job of a practitioner is to listen to the collection of the symptoms that you're experiencing and run the appropriate tests to help rule out some of these underlying conditions that I just named for you. Now, moving right along into the mental emotional causes of anxiety. Now, this is the category most people start with when it comes to anxiety. And that is, it all begins with uncovering and addressing traumatic life experiences, which can start honestly as early as gestation. So this includes everything your mother was exposed to while she was pregnant with you, as well as your own personal life experiences. But if we just focus on childhood for a minute now, as children, we have a fear learning system, which makes our parents one of the most powerful teachers during our childhood, because that is who is directly impacting how we perceive life and these systems that we're building within our mind. So this is where we learn our attachment styles and coping mechanisms. And in fact, a well-regulated parent can actually buffer against stress for their child. So the mental emotional state of a parent can significantly impact the stress neurobiology of a child. This means that if we grew up in a household with parents who themselves did not have adequate emotional regulation skills, we in turn develop a negative relationship with stress because it's now been shown that poor emotional regulation in childhood is strongly associated with the development of anxiety, depression, ADHD, increased risk of drug abuse, um, violence and risky sexual behavior in adolescence and adult life. So you can see that our brain and body from a very young age are storing our history and what shapes our personality in terms of our mental and emotional state as well. And our overall level of confidence and how we even show up to the world is also being determined in terms of where our personality begins to settle in terms of the things that we are exposed to and see throughout our upbringing. So with all of that in mind, when we are looking for mental, emotional causes of anxiety, it's also important to assess the environment in which a person grew up, whether they felt safe, if their emotions were validated, if they felt loved and how stress was handled in the, in the home during childhood, because all of these can point us towards where and how healing can begin to take shape. So this is that root cause approach that I was talking about, because once you find the trigger, you want to find the why behind the trigger, which is something that I emphasize in a lot of my episodes. So we're getting very, very specific about the underlying message that is behind that trigger when it comes to mental, emotional, uh, contributing factors or causes of anxiety. Now, moving right along to the hidden causes of anxiety, whenever there is a condition that is impacting a large subset of the population, we need to step back and see what is going on collectively that has resulted in this shift. And for many people, their anxiety can be rooted back to social changes. And I want to focus on just three of those for today's episode. So one of the biggest social shifts of the last couple of decades has been our access to information. And in particular, the rate at which we are exposed to information is very unnatural because when we are bombarded with information from every angle, it makes it very challenging to absorb and process that information. So this leaves a lot of gaps in the mind where you may have many unanswered questions and unfinished thoughts 
And it's sort of similar to having multiple tabs open on your computer or apps running in the background of your phone, which eventually end up draining the battery on these devices, right? And a very important point about this mass level of information is that majority of the information that we're exposed to is very useless or it's misinformation, which ends up creating more confusion and mistrust. And with the most current trend of these short videos on social media, you're constantly taking in information about the world and reacting to it emotionally. So imagine you were to run across five different videos and each video elicited a different emotion. So you go from feeling happy to sad to angry all within a short period of time. You have now experienced three different emotional states in less than 30 minutes without much time for your body to process each of those emotions adequately. And the other issue with constant exposure to information is that most people are approaching life through the lens of fear. So when you see all of these images or videos, you're either subconsciously judging yourself or others, comparing your life to others, feeling like you are somehow behind or missing out and that time is running out. All of which feed into your deeper fears of not being enough or having enough. And to add to the confusion further, another thing that is happening quite rampantly is that you might be finding that there's this clash of information that you're exposed to. So you'll run across something that goes completely against something else that you've heard or against a lifestyle or healthy habit that you currently are implementing into your life. So you end up feeling more confused or emotionally exhausted for that matter, because you don't even know what the right thing to do is anymore. Now, moving on to the second hidden cause of anxiety, which is social fear conditioning. So in the last few years, since the start of the pandemic up until now, majority of people have been operating from fight or flight and some people actually never recovered from that. So if you have noticed that a lot of people around you are acting erratic, it's because they are still operating from fear. And what makes things more challenging is that there was never a moment of pause. It's been this constant stream of hardship and disasters all around the world and this constant threat of change where a lot of people had to completely change their lifestyles to meet the new demands of life. And on top of that, we're always hearing about various other things that are impacting the world in terms of climate change, health pressures, financial pressures, social pressures, and all the ways in which various systems are not working. So there is this constant exposure to uncertainty and fear. And the speed of this change is creating a complex society without time for adaptation or a pause. So what happens is that stress now begins to compound. And there are a few key things that happen in the brain when stress begins to compound like this. So stress hormones can cross the blood brain barrier and bind to the amygdala, which in turn, so remember that was that fear center. This in turn makes the cells of the amygdala larger and more reactive. So this means that stress primes the brain for what is likely to happen in order to allow you to build up circuits to help you detect a threat. And in addition to this, when we are in a threatening situation, our brain has patterns of automatic reactions that help us deal with this threat. So you can see that repetitive exposure to, to stress primes your body to be receptive and almost prepared for a stressor that might not even happen. And then the chronic activation of these stress hormones over time causes death of the neurons in the hippocampus. So the hippocampus begins to shrink 
and that that in turn compromises our ability to normally integrate environmental stimuli. So you can see with chronic stress, there's this vicious cycle because with each stressor, we have the release of these pro-inflammatory cytokines and then that neuroinflammation that I was referring to. And then down the line that begins to show up as panic disorders or diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder, mood dysregulations and memory impairments as well. And the interesting part about anxiety is that when it is longstanding, it can actually predispose you to or result in depression down the line when you've been dealing with it chronically. So the point here with this impact of chronic compounding stressors over time and what that's doing to the brain is showing us that it's actually lessening your ability to meet future stressors. So I'm not sure if any of you are currently dealing with um, this scenario that I'm going to go over or you have dealt with it in the past, but if you've noticed that within a short span of time, you have had multiple big stressors in your life that have now compounded, compounded, you may have noticed that your ability to meet the day-to-day stressors was dampened. So you might have noticed that any little thing that would upset you throughout the day, your emotional reaction to it might have been severely more exaggerated than the actual situation itself. So that is definitely something that a lot of people are dealing with. And it might kind of seem like you're living this out of body experience where you might question yourself. You might have this emotional reaction and say, that's not me. That's not typically how I would have handled a situation like this. The third and final point in terms of hidden societal contributing factors or causes of anxiety is this disconnection from the spiritual heart. Now there's a lot of pseudo spirituality that's taking place currently. And a lot of people are really missing the point and meaning of spirituality, which is creating more and more confusion, which might be a topic that I will revisit in the future and talk about more in depth. But for now, Those of you who are interested, you can always take a listen or re-listen to my episode on the heart and spiritual awakening, because I do touch base on this very point in those, in those two episodes as well. But the point that I want to make here is that when you are disconnected from your heart and soul, that means you're disconnected from yourself. So you may find that there is this lack of meaning and connection with others and, and with life in general. And this sense of lack of awareness of your true self creates an identity crisis, which has you falling back into those negative patterns of scarcity in comparison that I was referring to earlier. So a general disconnection from your spiritual self harbors anxiety. And oftentimes, if you are dealing with a constant resurfacing of anxiety, that is because there are some unaddressed parts of you that are screaming for attention. So these things come up over and over again because you can't run away from yourself. You can only distract yourself from the truth temporarily. And with all of that in mind, let's move right into the last portion of today's episode, which is all about potential lifestyle or perspective shifts that you can implement into your life to help you overcome episodes of anxiety if they do seem to come up for you sporadically. But the number one absolute key step, like I've reiterated throughout today's episode, is addressing the root cause. So you want to be working with a professional who is looking at the underlying contributing factors in terms of your physical health, your mental or emotional health. So really looking at the whole person and addressing anything that is beyond your control. So your anxiety might not necessarily be something that you have control over it might be due to a deeply rooted underlying condition that just needs some fine tuning and some focus on just 
your basic physiology and biochemistry of your body. So that's number one. So let's say you have those resources in place and you're working with someone. The next best step is to have a general awareness and acceptance of what's actually going on. And to highlight the significance of this perspective shift, I want to discuss some points from research. So what the research shows is that 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. 30% are in the past and can't be helped. 12% involve affairs of others that are not our business. 10% relate to sickness, whether that's real or imagined. And only 8% of the things that we worry about are actually likely to happen. So understanding that at the end of the day, most of your worries and overthinking isn't really serving a real purpose because you worrying in anticipation of something happening, you know, by now that most of the time it doesn't end up happening. And even in the rare instance that it does, you worrying about it ahead of time doesn't make the situation any easier to deal with. In fact, it may be perhaps fed more into your negative beliefs about yourself and you end up suffering twice because you're robbing yourself of the peace that you could have in this present moment when nothing has actually taken place. So becoming aware when I'm saying awareness and acceptance, you have to become aware of your default programming that is running for you. So these again are some of the things that I've addressed in other topics. And I believe I do cover this in uh, my episode on patterns as well. So the key here with this whole point on awareness and acceptance, once you've shifted your perspective is to constantly ask yourself, are you living in the present moment or are you repeating a pattern over and over? And being present means that you understand that both the future and the past exist in your head. So don't project your past experiences into your future as well. The next area that you want to begin to do a more thorough assessment of is your behaviors and in particular your thought patterns. Now thoughts are automatic because they are learned behavior and a habit of the mind. So the mind will always go to what is familiar, even if the familiar thing is self-destructive. So you want to begin to recognize these thoughts that you have in these behaviors that you exhibit and begin to move further away from that story. So you're not trying to resist it. You're just trying to understand it. And for a really great first step into moving backwards in terms of thought patterns is to do an assessment of your physical sensations, because each emotion involves a full body reaction. That is a reaction to a particular situation. And I dive a little bit more into this in my episode on emotional mastery as well. So on this whole note on emotions, one of the absolute best things that you can do for yourself is to allow yourself to just feel your emotions because where a lot of people end up getting stuck and frustrated is that when they experience a big emotional reaction to any given situation, instead of allowing the emotions to just course through their body, they begin to resist it and hold on to it and then attach more meaning and stories to it. And that's what creates a painful situation because if this emotional state is coming up for you, there's obviously a reason for it. And that causes a biochemical shift in your body. If you were to, instead of looking at that emotional state as a threat, approach it with patience and mindfulness, then you just simply allow for a decompression period to take place for the chemistry in your body to reestablish harmony and for you not to get not to create more complicated situations within your mind by attaching more meanings to what's coming up for you. And there are two points to keep in mind here. Either you're breaking through the pressure that the pain presents and opening up yourself to new ways of looking at life, or you're having to suppress and avoid the pain that can lead to you feeling paralyzed physically and mentally as well. 
And that leads me to my next point, which is to follow the path of least resistance. So allow for more flow into your life, more ease. Don't go against your own nature and begin to embrace things as they are. So you want to embrace the way that things unfold in your life, your own personality, how you show up in life. And that will allow for you to just relax into the present moment because resisting an experience doesn't mean that it'll just go away on its own. What allows for something to naturally dissolve is your understanding of it, understanding, having forgiveness and allowing for peace to flow within a certain situation. And the final point that I want to cover with all of you today is to begin to research and implement some specific therapies as well that can help you in these beginning stages until you begin to understand the story behind your anxiety and why it's coming up for you. So this includes anything from acupuncture to sound therapy, energy medicine, and various other breathing exercises as well. Now, when I first decided to share an episode on anxiety, what I did was I sat down and I wrote an entire list of specific exercises, rituals, and practices that everyone can use to help both address acute episodes of anxiety, but also to help build that and support that mind-body connection and that emotional resilience that I keep referring to. But I didn't want to just gloss over them in today's episode. So what I've decided to do is actually save them for a future episode, maybe in a few um, weeks or so, whether that is in video format or podcast format. And so definitely I will come back and do a part two to this topic. But like always, my absolute first, my absolute favorite thing to do, as I'm sure you guys have noticed with every single episode, is to do a really strong foundation in terms of the education piece, because I find it so important and empowering to understand what's going on in your body and then begin to take action steps instead of just implementing a ritual and not really knowing what it's for or what it's actually doing. So hopefully in the very near future, we will revisit this topic, but this time more to, more so in terms of practical um, lifestyle implementations as well. And as always, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I really hope that you really enjoyed this week's topic and that it was enlightening in many ways for you. If there's a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from today's topic as well, feel free to share it with them. And for those of you who are interested in either embarking or continuing on this self-discovery journey, definitely check out my expansive journal and all of the details are in the show notes. I'm wishing you guys a beautiful rest of your week and I'm really looking forward to connecting with you in a future episode.